Hello and welcome to the You Matter to Christ podcast. Many of our listeners and guests call this podcast an experience because throughout the variety of extraordinary people we have on the show, you'll hear stories of overcoming trauma, hitting record-breaking business goals, people forgiving the unforgivable, and yes, even miracles that will shock and inspire you. On this show, you'll hear from professional athletes, entrepreneurs, and everyday people from all walks of life. Discover the profound truth that regardless of your background or circumstances, you matter deeply to the creator of the universe. You were made for a purpose, and you matter to Christ. Get ready for inspiring stories, personal testimonies, and uplifting messages that remind us of the unchanging love and grace available to all. And remember this, you matter to Christ. Hey, everybody, this is Chad Burmeister, and I'm your host of the You Matter to Christ podcast, formerly Living a Better Story. And today I'm with someone who I would say is living a better story, and we'll talk about why you matter to Christ. He's the co-author of a book called 20 Beautiful Men, and it's 20 stories that will heal your soul, ignite your passion, and inspire your divine purpose. And I think that's amazing. He's also the head coach of the flag football team at the Atlantic Coast High School. And he also does work with the Special Olympics there. This was his first year doing Special Olympics, and he's going to do that again next year. So I'm really excited to dig in. There's a lot of people on this show that come from a lot of different places. Hayward Miller has an exciting story to share how he found Christ, and we're happy to have him here today. Hayward, welcome to the show. Hey, Mr. Chad. I appreciate you uh, having me on the show. Hey, everyone that's listening, thank you for all coming on and uh, taking a peek at uh, what we're about to talk about today. Well, this is going to be fun. I first talked to Hayward when I was at a drive through at Arby's, and Hayward was working out on the treadmill. So I think one of the two of us was probably in the right place at the right time on that day. <laughs> but we did get to connect, so this is going to be a really amazing conversation. Hayward, I'd like to help our listeners by rewinding the tape and asking the question, what do you remember when you were five, six years old? Maybe it's a passion. Maybe what are some of those early memories that you had as a child when you started to have your first memories? Uh, at the age of five, around five or six, I remember just being in a den with my granddad, who's no longer here, miss him. But we was in the den and uh, he would put on all types of TV shows. The one thing that I can remember in particular was uh, every Sunday afternoon, I'm turning the TV on and there's an NFL game playing. And one of the more notable players that I looked up to and tried to emulate my game after was Barry Sanders, the running back for the Detroit Lions. I just remember all the moves he used to do on Sundays. And then after I see him play, I would go outside and try to do the same things with my neighbor or even at school. So that's one of the like greatest memories that that's neat. Yeah, I can just see his head kind of move in that. <laughs> right. There you go. He always got his defenders like that. He got them to go the opposite direction pretty quickly. It's funny. My grandfather took me to the Dallas Cowboys uh, practice field one time, and that's back when Emmett Smith and all those boys were playing. So 
uh, he took me in from Colorado. We were visiting. And he said, yeah, this is my grandson. He's a spy for the Denver Broncos. <laughs> and I was really like, no, no, Grandpa, I'm not a spy. <laughs> hey, Jimmy Smith's a gator, so go Gators. I'm a gator myself, so I like him. Yeah, awesome. What do you think about football? There's the competitive aspect. There's camaraderie. There's fame and celebrity. And what was the thing that you really liked about Barry Sanders or in football? Outside of his uh, playmaking ability, uh, what stood out with Barry, he was very humble. Uh, he wasn't a guy that wasn't flashy, wasn't boastful. He just did his job. We were um, watching a documentary about Barry Sanders. He never celebrated. His celebration was once he scored a touchdown, he always handed the football off to the row. And so uh, with that being said, that was one of the things that, that drew me to Barry. But also it, uh, one of the things that fought as a believer in Christ, we deal with pride. And so Barry emulated the humility part. And that was one of the things that a guy like me that wanted attention, that wanted to be seen, but at the same time called to walk in a trail of humility. That was that was big for me. So that's one of the things that really stood out for me when it came to Barry Sanders. That's cool. Thinking about this younger you, if Hayward Miller Jr., who spent time with your grandfather in the living room on Sundays watching football, if that kid came to knock on your door right now and sat across from you and said, oh, Hayward, man, it's great to be here. High five. You think there's anything that he would say, oh, I thought we'd be doing a little more of this or a little less of that. Or what do you think he would be surprised about? And what do you think he'd be really happy about? Well, I think he would be happy that even becoming an adult and maturing in certain things that I held, I, I have held on to like the thing that drives me, which is just working hard and, and trying to make my family proud, but also bringing honor to God. One of the things that he would definitely be kind of surprised about is the fact that I lost creativity in a sense. Like I found my niche to get back to that. But uh, at some point in life, we allow the hustle and bustle and the flow of things to rob us of what really was in us at the beginning of our life. And it takes almost a lifetime just to get back to that place where this is evident. This is what you're passionate about. This is what you love. Um, also, so Hayward will also say, man, you need to be more present. And what I mean by that is, I think we are, we're post-COVID now. I mean, don't get me wrong, there's still things out there that makes us hold on to family. But I think the epidemic of COVID was a, a wake-up call for not just America, but for the whole world to hold on to the people we love, to cherish the memories and moments in life. And that life is very short. No matter if you live up to 110 or you live to like your, your 30s, you just got to value everything. For me, I, I sit back and I recognize already, I was always on go, 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 go. And it kind of put me in a position where I neglected certain relationships and friendships. I was always saying, what's next? So that's what he would probably tell me is to be more present, get back to what gives you the joy and passion with Christ. Take me deeper on the thread about creativity, because was it you like to do drawing? You did writing? You, what was the creativity side? What is that about? So as far as I can remember, I'm glad I need some good questions. Boy. So it goes back to that question when you asked me where I was at. My fondest memory is at five or six to answer your question. So the creativity part, I used to make these little action figures out of paper. And uh, anything that I saw or anything that I seen anybody, like observe anybody else, or I had like imagination, 
I would put these little action figures and play out everything that I even saw or I imagined. And in that moment, I recognized when I was an adult, that was part of being a visionary, seeing things and bringing it to life. I'm fascinated with telling stories. Also, just, I think when it comes to creativity, we kind of find ourselves being robbed of it because of stress, stressors of life. And that kid, I mean, he was able to think of anything and accomplish it. It was easy. Like it was, it was more easy. It was more, I was creating plans and I was executing plans as a father, six year old better than I have the opportunity to do so as an adult. So I getting back to that is where true success will definitely flow. That's neat. I mean, it's Jesus loves the little children, right? Because we are the same person that we were even when we were five and six and we can remember what it is God's fingerprint is for your life. It's not always easy. Like I've always had a business life and then a, a Christian life. And over the last two years on this podcast, I've had more than 100 guests. Two of them told me they work for God. And so I've been always for the last two years going, how do I get that job? And I'm laser focused on that. How did my skills get to be in service to him in a way that allows me to do what I knew I wanted to do as a kid? And which is being competitive. I'm a very competitive person. So how do you apply that to other things? I think you're on to something. That's good. Next question is, tell me a time when you experienced something that was difficult. It could be a traumatic event. I call it the buzzsaw moment of life where you just get that gut, gut punch and you're like, oh man. But now looking back, you can say, hmm, there's some lessons in there. You know, is there one you're comfortable sharing or so one of the most difficult times that I faced was around the age of 17. I was going into my senior year and I was just focused on trying to get a football scholarship and doing anything, going to camps and stuff like that. But one day in particular, there was someone in the neighborhood very close. I'm a good friend of mine. What happened was I was running late for a football camp and me and this guy got into it. It became a physical altercation. And uh, the guy took it to a whole nother level. And uh, that day I almost became a victim of a homicide. I almost lost my life. I'm going to stab me. And my mom saw everything. After I got stabbed, I found myself leading out on my auntie's porch at the age of 17, telling my auntie, I don't know if I'm going to live. I told my auntie these my words. I said, auntie, I'm going to die. She told me to hush and she getting towels and stuff like that. And I could just remember in that moment. I'm like, God, this is not the way I envision myself going out. Nobody was born, dreams, wake up and say, hey, the day I'm leaving this earth is going out based off the physical altercation where emotions got high that nearly took my life. In that moment, I just prayed and just had a loss of words and said, God, just give me another chance. If you allow me to bounce back from this one, I won't disappoint in everything I do. I will glorify you. And he delivered. And I'm still here today. But I know... When I was on that, uh, I was in the hospital for two days and three nights. I was fighting. And hearing the doctor say I would never play the game of football, he told my mom that if, he told me and my mom that if my heel didn't long, I mean, my lung didn't heal, then I'll be on a feeding tube for the rest of my life. And taking the game away from me, that was going to be hard. But I said, no, I'm going to play. And that's what I did. Wow. Did you ever follow up with that kid that you got in a fight with? Did he went to your high school or? This is a guy in the neighborhood. He's saved. He's a brother in Christ. And of course, when I tell this story, I gave him my work to protect his identity because that's the love I have for him. But today, he has his own family. He has a child on the way. Um, great guy. 
And again, my mindset was, we all make mistakes. And yes, that mistake almost took my life. But again, if Christ can forgive me for all the things I've done, I know I can forgive someone to move on and allow God to do work. So that's where we at now. Wow. So think about that. If you're listening to this show and you're in an argument with a family member or whatever, right? When Jesus died on the cross, the guy next to him was a murderer and actually did kill people. And the murderer said to Jesus, forgive me. And he said, today you'll be with me in paradise. And so what you've just demonstrated is that that Jesus wants us to be like him. We'll never be like him. All we can do is try our hardest. So the fact that you can get stabbed at age 17 and come to forgiveness because he made a mistake and all you have to do is ask, forgive me, and you did. So that's a deep story. I have arguments with family members and hey, I'm sorry, forgive me. And that's all we can do as humans. So that's really a great story. So obviously God showed up in that moment. Is there another time in your life where God undeniably showed up, whether some people I've heard God had yelled in their ear and told them something? I see God in parables. I met God for one minute, one night. I asked to meet him and I did. When did God show up for you in your life? I would say this on the record. God has showed up many times to prove and show himself undeniably. He is the true and living God in my life. Instances I can go back to even when I was young, when he saved me. I think that's the ultimate, like showing himself to me when he saved me, recognizing and giving me the understanding of what he did on the cross for my sins. Of course, you experience God's grace and mercy as you get older. But even through his words, showing me more and learning more about grace, I have an appreciation for him. There was another instance, I'll say, when I became a younger adult, I had stopped playing football. And I was trying to go back to play football. And I had the opportunity of trying to play for the University of Florida. I took 18 credits at a community college just to get my A degree in journalism. And when I went to... Uh, the office to get enrolled into the University of Florida. I went to the College of Journalism and I can remember this vivid where I was asking the guy like, hey, you know, I'm trying to play football. And of course, I would say in certain aspects, in certain situations, aspect has this, this aura about themselves that, hey, we get everything we want. We get anything we want. And life is just handed to us because of what we do. Now, there are situations where I've seen because I'm an athlete, Things were done a certain way. But in this particular situation, I was asking, hey, can I get into the University of Florida? Not just to play ball, but also to get a prestigious degree from that school. And so the guy had me to write an essay. And he was like, hey, you do this, take a couple of summer classes, you pass, and we can get you in. I did the summer classes, and I did the essay, and I was rejected. Now, mind you, my GPA was a little low. And compared to most of the, the kids that get into the University of Florida. So I was already out of position. With a low GPA, I was just like, God, I just, I want to get into the University of Florida. I reached out to all types of people. I even was on uh, the phone with uh, Sophia Witherspoon, one of a prestige basketball player who graduated from the University of Florida. I found myself with a former pro and a, a former alum at the University of Florida. And I'm like, hey, Ms. Witherspoon, is there any advice for someone like myself who's trying to get into this? because I believe this is what God is calling me. And long story short, she encouraged me, like, if it's God's will, and you know that God is in control, no matter what adversity, no matter what the odds that are stacked up in front of you, you can get past that. And so uh, the guy rejected me, and the lady saw how 
went up to the school almost every single day and I didn't stop. She pulled me to the side and she pretty much was like, hey, you can't get into the, the college of journalism here at the University of Florida. But because of your actions, because of your perseverance, we're going to let you in in the college of telecommunication. And that's how I got into the University of Florida. And that was one of those times where there's these are situations where God would not allow no man to take credit for certain things. Like I know for a fact, me getting to the University of Florida was a God thing. And nobody can take credit for that. No one can take credit for me being saved. And so with that being said, those are some of the situations that God showed himself to be true in my life. I love it. Well, I've heard something that I'm sure you realize and, and know about yourself. We called it stick to when we talked the other day. <laughs> yes, sir. Right? Because you said to get into 20 Beautiful Men, the book, you demonstrated the same level of persistence that you just shared. So that's a God-given skill, I think, that probably follows you everywhere you go in life. And that's not a bad one to have. <laughs> Listen, it has built me out. I'll tell you that. And just staying with it. You just got to keep living, keep fighting, keep trusting. And I know there's a lot of cliches in it, but if this is what God really wants you to do and it's in you to keep pushing, he'll give you the power to do so to get to it. So. Tell me about prayer in your life. I talked to a defensive back who played for Chicago recently, Tommy, and you probably know exactly who it is, but I'm blanking on his last name right now. He was on a call with a group of us and he said that when he prays, it's like an out-of-body experience. And he said he couldn't believe that some people don't pray because, man, if you can go to a higher level and have access to a higher level of thinking than outside yourself, he just felt like that was a big deal. How do you pray? How often do you pray? Talk to us a little bit about prayer. So the late Charles Spurgeon, he preached a sermon on prayer. And he talked about the importance of prayer and how Jesus tells us to, if you want something, all you have to do is just ask but he also said in a sermon that those who abide in, of course, Christ is those who abide in him, he will abide in them. And also, if the word of God is in you, then it gives access to God hearing your prayers. Because the Bible says that the prayers of the righteous are better much. So for me, coming from Charles Spurgeon and hearing that sermon, and it was recent I heard it, it just confirmed what I already believe in prayer, which is, a total dependency on God. Me praying is an act of humility. So for me, when I pray, this is me saying, God, I can't live life without you. Like, I know we, we quote scriptures such as Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not to your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. We say it so cliche like, but any time we have a decision, and I know there's a lot of people that's probably listening talking about, well, do we even pray about what we need? Hey, that's between you and God. As far as like everyday life, I have to pray. So I look at, at prayer as a lifeline, you know, just communication. The same way I will reach out to my mom and my dad and ask for like advice. This is like, I got to go to God first. Because when you pray for me, I just, there's so much peace. Like I had a decision about certain direction as far as coaching recently. And it's one thing to pray and then go back to worrying, but when you really tap in, it allows you to leave all the stress and anxiety at his feet. And then you just continue to move forward, which activates faith. So for me, praying and standing in the word activates my faith. So prayer is a lifeline. It's an act of humility and saying, hey, 
God, I cannot live life without you. So that's what prayer is for me. Right when you were talking, a loud, thunderous roar just came through, and my entire ground shook just now. And it's wild because the last time I had a conversation like this where the thunder roared like that, I'd been hearing from God for about a year about Noah. So I even flew to the Noah's Ark exhibit in Kentucky, and I saw it. And I was like, okay, God, I followed your instruction. I saw the exhibit. And then nothing, right? I was like, well, this was cool, but where's the big aha message? Well, I had written this app called 77 Pray after Matthew 77, ask and it shall be given to you, knock and it will be opened. Yes, sir. And very first prayer in the app is about a kid named Noah. Of course it is, right? And it, it was like, it was just all leading up to the kid named Noah. And there's not a lot of Noahs in the world. And he had COVID. He was in the hospital and he was about to get oxygen and go on a ventilator. And he's a 20-year-old kid. And he'd written songs about God. And so I got the call and that said, hey, can you pray for this guy and put him in your app? I know you're just launching the app. So I called the business guy that I work with named Rich. And I said, hey, Rich, we got to pray for Noah. I go, man, my son was healed miraculously. How do we make sure that Noah's healed miraculously? He goes, dad, I think it was just taken care of. I heard God talk. Did you hear it? I go, what are you talking about? He goes, didn't you hear the loud thunder outside my door just now? And so that was the last time of this thunderous message. And when you just shared your story about prayer, I felt the ground shake. <laughs> like That's how real it is, right? Yes, sir. Thank you, Jesus. That's good. I'm telling you, prayer is something that the enemy wants us to not do because he knows that's what keeps us closer. It allows the fellowship to flow. I know that there's times where we as Believers, those who believe in Jesus Christ, we have our moments where we fall, we come up short, and the enemy tries to rob us and say, hey, well, God don't want to talk to you right now because you just sinned. You just fell short. He don't want to hear that. It's like the opposite, because I think about even in the book of Genesis, in chapter three, after Adam had failed, God was looking for him. So once sin came in and Adam and Eve was hiding, God was like, Adam, where are you? That was the first question God asked. It wasn't, I'm condemning you. I don't want no parts of you right now. We need this. I go over here, I'm going over there. It just shows you how even when we fall short, we have a loving God that continues to want to fellowship with us intimate type of way. And that's prayers. So that's good. Real good. Well, I'll share something personal with you. Last night, I started to have a really weird dream. And I was like, where the heck is this coming from? And I heard someone say recently, even if you're in a moment, even if you're in a sinful moment, and you're actually participating in sin, pray while you're sinning. And I was like, what a wild thing. I heard that too, but I've also heard the good thing about it because there's times where, like there was one guy that said, hey, I prayed while I was on the verge of sin. And in that moment, God provided a way of escape. Yes. So that happened last night. I was having this weird dream and I was like, our father who art in heaven. I was like, what is trying to enter my mind right now? This is unacceptable. And I just prayed it out. And you could tell, I went to this show uh, called The Thorn. And there's this guy with the cane and he's talking. And at the end of the show, you'd seen the devil and you'd seen the cross and you saw the whole story of Jesus. And at the end, he's with his cane and he's like, ah, my precious, my precious, you know. (laughs) And then the devil comes back out on the stage and he's right in front of him with these long fingernails. And he's like looking in his face. And this guy had learned he'd live a long life. And he just banged the king and he said, leave in the name of Jesus, leave. 
And it was like the devil had nowhere to go. He had to leave. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It's really neat to know that there's so many people that have the same belief system. I think our country was built on this. I think what I've heard recently is that 42% of people in America are what's called skeptically. They're spiritually skeptical. So that means that's a pretty big part of the population that by stories like this, that I think we can influence the 42% of people who are spiritually skeptical to help them come come around. I like how you brought up that statistic because I was talking to some brothers the other day. And my whole thing is the reason why there's a lot of people that's skeptical about who Christ is, who God is, and if there is a God, is simply because there has been a breach of where tradition didn't lead people to Jesus Christ. It just gave them a, a good feeling. And it was just what everybody was doing. Another thing is we see a lot of people who was running the race and then all of a sudden they get burnt out because of disappointments, prayers, prayers not being answered. Certain teachings misled them and say, well, hey, if God didn't do this for me, then he can't be real. A lot of course we see it death. Death has always been, but we've seen it at an alarming rate here in America. And so now a lot of people is like, hey, if God was so good, why he didn't heal this person from this disease? Why this person didn't regain their strength or their memory? And so with all that being said, all these facts, right? This is the reason why I see that number increasing. But the positive thing is people like you and people like that's out in the world that's really living the walk of Christ in front of people and sharing the good news, but also testimonies like this is going to give those who got called hope to grab home. Because we know that certain things got to happen in order for him to return. So it's discouraging, but it's hopeful at the same time. So I see more on, but to God be the glory. Yeah, that's right. Well, look, we just talked today in the thunder roared in the middle of our talk. So my encouragement to anyone listening to this conversation, you heard that Hayward was stabbed at age 17, lived, forgave his attacker. And now that person has a family Look, God redeems all things and all things are for the glory of God. So I think this has been an amazing conversation today, Hayward. I really appreciate you investing your time. Uh, is there any final thought you'd like to share with anybody who's listening? Yes, um, I would say uh, those who are listening right now, I don't know what you're going through. And I don't assume that you're going through the worst, but everybody from all types of walks of life, I just want to encourage you that, hey, God is real. Jesus Christ loves you. There is a plan and purpose. You're not living just to be living. There is reason and purpose of why you are alive right now. I just hope that my story will encourage you to tell your story. I just hope that you pay it forward. Platforms like this is uh, awesome to point people into a place of hope, uh, a place to where, hey, your journey may not have begun. You may feel like a late bloomer, but you're about to bloom. You just got to keep holding on. You got to keep trusting and you got to keep fighting. And then also, I got a friend out there right now who's battling some health issues. I want to give a big shout out to him. My prayers are for you, man. Stay strong and everything's going to be all right. And I appreciate you, Mr. Chad, for allowing me to come on to You Matter because while doing this podcast, my zeal for the Lord has been encouraged and it's good to know that I do matter. So I appreciate you, Mr. Chad. Man, high five to you. I hope to see you on September 7th at the Pro Player Prayer Project in Washington, D.C. at the Museum of the Bible. And we'll rub elbows with some pretty cool people that have an equal zest and zeal for our Lord and Savior. I look forward to it.
Yes, sir. Well, thank you everyone for joining another You Matter to Christ podcast. And remember, you matter to Christ. Thank you for joining us on the You Matter to Christ podcast. We hope this journey has reminded you of the incredible truth that your life holds immense value and significance to Christ. As you go about your day, may you carry the assurance that no matter what you face, you are deeply cherished and loved. Remember, you matter to Christ. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to subscribe and share it with others who may benefit from this message. Stay tuned for more transformative episodes where we continue to explore the depth of God's love and grace. Until next time, remember that you are not alone. Christ's love is with you, guiding and strengthening you every step of the way. May your life be filled with hope, purpose, and the knowledge that you matter to Christ. Christ.